0: You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. We're starting a, a new series uh, this morning that's going to be a part of a, uh, David mentioned it, um, a, uh, just an emphasis as we go into the fall Uh, even probably all the way into the holiday season, um, about being uh, lights, loving our city, uh, finding some meaningful ways to touch our city, um, getting out and uh, involved in uh, ministries that are going on in our city, but also in areas that you're uniquely gifted um, to touch lives. Every one of us has gone through experiences in our lives that make us able to understand and relate and have compassion on people um, that is unique to us, and this, as we're moving forward through this, um, we're focusing on not just serving in, in the house, which is really important, um, but equipping ourselves in the house so that we can touch lives um, in the greater community. And I wanted to start this morning um, by uh, talking about um, well, this is the key scripture for the series or for the effort. Um, it says, "You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others." Uh, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father, uh, who is in heaven. Every one of us is a is a light uh, like that. Today I want to share uh, start a short series on sharing your faith, uh, hope, and love. Um, I had intended to make this one uh, message um, and it was uh, there's just way too much. So this may be a real short one this morning because it's a third of something that I was going to preach uh, the whole thing today, and you'll be thankful that I didn't I realized like, when I got into it that we could be here for a while, um, and uh, Cowboys are playing this afternoon, so, um, <clears throat> and we need, to, we need some time of prayer before the game, right? So we're going we're gonna to just do one this morning, okay? So this morning, we're going to be uh, talking about how to share your faith. Um, John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5 and 12 and 13 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become uh, children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, um, but of God. So I want to start by talking about faith. I want to talk about, a lot of times we, um, we talk about how to share our faith. And uh, the reason why I've titled this um, series, Um, how to share your faith, hope, and love. And it's all in one word, the way that I did it, if you caught that. Um, Faith, hope, and actually, love didn't. There it is. Okay. I got creative with it and made it a different color, and it's like not visible, but that's what it says. Faith, hope, and love. And I got it compressed into one because they are one. That's, That's what, it's not just sharing your faith. It's sharing yourself with people. And it's sharing yourself in the context of your faith and hope and love as they all work together in your life um, that is contagious um, to people. And I'm not sure whether it's faith that leads to hope and causes us to love or it's love that leads us to hope that causes us to stand in faith. I just think they're all so interconnected that you can't separate them out. So when we're sharing with people our faith, we're sharing our whole selves um, with people. There's no other way to do it. Um, there's no other way to share the gospel except lifestyle evangelism. Okay? I'll say it again. There is no evangelism but lifestyle evangelism. Because if you're saying something with your mouth that your ma- lifestyle is not backing up, not only is, are they not going to listen to that, but it does a discredit to your faith. And nobody wants a faith that is, uh, uh, that is hypocrisy. There's enough of that in the world. They want genuine faith. And the way that they know that it's genuine faith is because you're sharing what you believe, but you're also living what you believe. You're showing them by your life and by your lifestyle uh, what you believe. So when we talk about faith, um, the Greek word for faith and for uh, believe um, are rooted in the word uh, pistis, uh, which means to trust and fully rely upon. And i got a picture here of a, a person doing a free climb. Uh, and she has found um, a purchase, a, uh, a spot on the wall that she can put her hand on, that she can put her feet on, um, and that she can put her body weight on. That's a picture of faith. That means that you are, you are basing your life on that. Okay? This is me standing next to my son's hospital bed. That's what it looks like. It's faith. This is um, uh, uh, Donnie, you know. Saying, um, you know, God make me a father. When he did, before he had kids, and when he knew that he was going to be a father, God, you know, make me a father. That's what it looks like. It's that you find something and you don't just like find it, but you trust and you fully rely upon it and you base your life on it. And that is a rare and beautiful thing when you see it genuinely in somebody's life. Amen. And it's becoming more and more rare. Jesus asked a question one time. He said, will, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? Jesus doesn't ask a question for no reason. Because left to ourselves, we will drift away. Left to ourselves, we will believe in something other than what God has called us to believe in. And I want you to know that the opposite of faith is not doubt, because doubt is an integral part of faith. Can you say amen with me there? If you you have real faith, then you also have an element of doubt that you have to deal with, because you have chosen to believe. No, the opposite of faith in God is not doubt. The opposite of faith in God is trusting yourself, refusing to believe in Him. And trusting in yourself. That's the thing that that kills us. Here's what I mean. Nicodemus, uh, in in, uh, John chapter 3, Jesus has this conversation with Nicodemus. And I just love this conversation on so many different levels. But the thing that I want to talk to you today about is how Jesus, trying to share something with a person, walks away at least somewhat frustrated. That that did not go well, right? And it's the same thing that he's called us to do. He's called us to talk to our family and our friends about things that they really can't wrap their mind around. And nevertheless, we have to talk to them and we have to share it with them. It's just so comforting to know that even Jesus had a hard time with this, right? So when he's talking to Nicodemus, he's saying, um, uh, unless a person is born again, um, they can't see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus's answer to him was a typical fleshly, um, answer of a, of, a, of a human person, you know, that's thinking in earthly terms. And he said, how can a grown man, am I supposed to like enter back into my mother's womb and be born, you know, again from that? And Jesus is like, no, you dodo. <laughs> You're a teacher in Israel and you can't understand. I'm talking to you in spiritual terms. What Jesus was saying is when somebody calls upon the name of the Lord. When somebody reaches out to God, and it's many times, it's just a simple prayer like this, oh God, help me. Oh, oh God, you know, please help. Some of the most simple, most honest prayers are the simplest ones. Just a heartfelt cry to him. When a person calls upon the name of the Lord, when a person, Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock, when a person opens that door, the door of their heart, he says, I come in. And when that happens, when somebody is intimate with God, conception takes place and a new being is, is conceived, is, is, uh, is created. That's it. That's it. To trust and fully rely upon Jesus. He's talking to him in, um, in spiritual terms, and, and Nicodemus is not understanding it. And we are all called to do the exact same thing. To share your faith with somebody is a stretch for you and for them. Okay? And I'm going to get to just some, uh, some suggestions as ways or, or things that we do um, to share our faith. But I just want to stop for a minute and think about just think about Jesus' words to Nicodemus. They're not really comprehensible, but they're beautiful. They're not really... Anything that Nicodemus can turn around and say, oh, I get it, I fully understand. But you want to understand. When Jesus talks like this, it draws you in, and you want to understand. You want to. But what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, he is not going to get because he understands. He's going to get it because he what? Believes. That's how you get it, not because you understand it. You get it because you believe. You get it because you stand on it and you make a commitment. The early church didn't call themselves Christians. The first people that called them Christians were making fun of them. They, they, that what that word actually meant was you think you're a little Jesus, a bunch of little Jesuses running around here, up to my ears in Jesuses, you know, a bunch of... You guys think that you're, you know, that you're Jesus. They didn't call themselves Christians. They called themselves believers because that's what they were. That's the defining aspect of your life and who you are is that you believe, that you trust and fully rely upon, that you hang your hat on, that you hang your life on, that you you, you bet your life on, you put it all in all on the table and say, I believe. The problem that we have sometimes is that we think it's all about understanding, and it's not about understanding. I wonder how many of us came to the Lord because you understood Jesus. I wonder, like, why did we think that? Why did we think, if I understood, I would believe? But you never believe until you understand. Faith comes first, then understanding. And Jesus wasn't appealing to Nicodemus's understanding. He was appealing to his faith, which he is capable of doing. He is capable of believing in Jesus Christ. The next conversation that Jesus had that was recorded uh, for us, this is in um, uh, John chapter 3, um, and the next chapter is the chapter of the woman at the well. I think it's the next chapter. I'm pretty sure it is. Because the next conversation that he has First, he's talking to a religious leader who has, you know, scrolls and scrolls of information and, uh, and just a whole backlog of understanding of who God is and, and what God wants you to do and what you can do on Sabbath and, and all that. He's got a huge amount of understanding of things. The next person that Jesus talks to is the woman at the well, and she's got none of that. And yet the connection in that conversation was, turned the, the city upside down. And it's not because she understood it's because she believed. And she believed because she's in the presence of a man who shouldn't be talking to her, who, who for the first time revealed himself as the Messiah. This is the first time that Jesus said, I am the Messiah to this woman. And she believed because he told her everything. She, when she went and shared her testimony, she said, come and see a man who's told me everything that I've ever done and not good stuff. He spoke words to her that would have hurt and and harmed and, and, and destroyed, and she saw it as a lifeline, not as a judgment, but as a lifeline. He was saying to her, here's who you are and here's what you've done. And she said, I want to believe in you. I want to believe in the Messiah. And then she turned around and lit the city on fire. There's one thing that's necessary for anyone to experience what Jesus is talking about, to experience conception, to be born again, and, and that is to believe. The thing that distinguishes a person who enters into the kingdom of heaven is that they believe, that they, they, they have faith. It's only be- when we believe that we conceive and when we conceive that we see and when we see that we enter into the kingdom of God. So Jesus asks a question. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? What do you say? Say what Ezekiel said, Lord, thou knowest. That's the best, that's the best way to answer Jesus any time he asks you a question is not in full confidence say, I know this, he asked, he asked Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel gave the only sane answer, you know, God, I don't. Will there be faith on the earth? I read, a, I, I listened to an interview with, um, uh, I think it's uh, Russell Moore um, this past week. And, um, and he's very much involved in uh, politics and uh, in the church. And um, he's been a kind of a lightning rod of controversy um, because uh, liberals think that he's, um, you know, reactionary conservative, and conservatives think he's uh, uh, ultra-liberal. And, you know, all these labels that we have nowadays is just not helpful. Um, but he, he said something at the end of the interview. They were asking him. He was talking about all of the, the things that we're dealing with now in, in this generation, and in this season, in this time. Uh, and they say, are you, he's, they said, are you hopeful? And he said, yes, I am hopeful, because I believe that Jesus Christ is building his church. I believe that Jesus Christ is building his church. Jesus told Peter, you're Peter, upon rock. I'm going to build my church. And he said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. If it's us building the church, we're sunk. But if it was us building the church, it wouldn't have lasted 2,000 years. And this generation has so much to look forward to and so much to, um, to be thankful for that we're living in this day and time. In this season, I don't know if this is the end of the end times, but I know that it's shaping up like Jesus, exactly like Jesus said that it would be. And why would we want to trade places with anybody else, even the apostles that walked with Jesus and saw him face to face? Why would we want to trade places with him right now? But I'll tell you this, there are doors that are closing that we better take advantage of the opportunity now. And I'm talking about sort of systematically and politically and all of that, that we should be so busy and so urgent about what we're doing that we don't let any time pass and we don't waste any time. But I'm also talking about people's lives. Because there are doors open to us today that will not be open tomorrow. There are people today who are on the brink of giving up, of falling away. And that's one of the ways that we know that there is... um, that the end times have come is a great falling away. This uh, map, you can see a little bit. Can you see the ones that are colored uh, sort of gray and then dark gray that are not colored? This is a map of the second largest religions uh, in in countries um, by by country. Gray and dark gray are people that consider themselves to be non affiliated with any religion. The second largest, and and, uh, the darker colored gray is because it's more than 10% in those countries. And you can see North America, South America, the second largest religion after Christianity in in these uh, countries is no religion. Is what is called agnostic or atheistic or like a personal combination of my own, you know, hodgepodge mishmash of religions. They don't they're not affiliated or associated with any faith or religion. And that's the fastest growing religion. Thing is, is that it says they say it's not a religion. I'm agnostic, I don't have a religion. That is a religion. People people are going to worship. The only question is what are they going to worship? Everybody's made to do that. Everybody will have a belief system, and everybody will have a religion, and they will have something that they worship, even if they don't acknowledge that. And that is the fastest-growing religion. Jesus said there's going to be a great falling away. I'm not trying to be alarmist to you here. I'm just being realistic. And this is not like church literature. This is National Geographic. That's where this graphic came from is from National Geographic, doing a study of the world's religions. Atheists, agnostics, um, unaffiliated with any uh, religion. The the largest religious group in seven nations of the world is the nuns, the non-affiliated. The largest religion in seven nations of the world, the second largest major religion in 48% of the nations of the world are non-affiliated. Now, I'm not telling you that these people don't have faith because they are trusting and fully relying on something. But we believe that the things that they are trusting and fully relying on will fail. And we believe that we're standing on the rock that will not fail. That's why, we, that's why there's an urgency to this. Lack of religious affiliation has profound effects. It it affects how people think about death, how they teach their kids, and even how they vote. So what do we do? Here's how we share our faith, and this is modeled on Jesus. (coughs) I think it's pretty good. You know, role model, pretty good example to us. Um, Obviously, he's much more than that. Um, He's working on the inside, and these are the things that he blesses, and these are the things that he gives us, the desires of our heart. He puts a desire in your heart to do these things, and then he gives you opportunity uh, and outlet to uh, to do it. And the first is to pray. Over and over again, Jesus tells his disciples, pray. Pray for the Lord of the harvest, to send workers out. Um, uh, Pray for the lost sheep. Uh, of the house of Israel. He says over and over again to pray, and he modeled that for us, right? So how do we pray? How do we pray into a situation like that where it looks like the world is growing colder and colder and darker and darker and further and further away from faith? First of all, we pray in faith, believing that God doesn't want anybody to perish. Amen? I don't care how hard the case is. I don't care how difficult the case is. I mean, if you're thinking that they're too far gone, you're the one with the problem. You've got a worse problem than them, I think, because you're professing to believe in a God that can do all things, and yet you're looking at people and you're saying, but not them. You don't have a case, you don't have a, a clear idea of your lostness before Christ. Maybe you think that you were pretty good. You were not. Maybe you think that you were like uh, a prime candidate, no more than anybody else. So pray. Pray. Pray for your friends. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for opportunities to share. Pray for yourself. Pray and bring it to the Lord on a regular basis in prayer. And I'm just encouraging you through the fall as we're approaching this thing, just to designate times of prayer here's here's an idea that that we're going to uh, pursue um, we're going to as our small groups um, we're going to do some prayer walking has anybody ever done any prayer walking anybody it's um it's it, it, here's what's involved in prayer walking you walk and you pray so you know i want i'm going to put out a little pamphlet with that like the two points of walking and pray, prayer walking is Walk and pray. And so what, what we'll do is, like, we'll load up our small group and go to uh, elementary school and just be, you know, on the campus, you know, and, and we'll just spend some time praying for them. We'll go down to the courthouse uh, or down to the, to the, uh, to the square um, and just pray. Just pray as the Lord leads us to pray. It's an awesome thing to do. When you're actually in proximity to what you're praying for, God gives you insights that you wouldn't have sitting on the couch. So we're going to pray. We're going to get out of our um, um, comfortable environments. And we're not going to do this every, every week for small group, but we're going to incorporate this into the rhythm of our small groups over the next couple of months. So the first step is to, um, to pray. The second is to know what you trust and fully rely on. So when you share your faith, do you share th- with them um, what happened to you or what you believe happened to you? There's a distinction here that's really important. First of all, you have to share with them what happened to you, and that's your version of it. But you also have to share with them God's version of it, which is what you believe happened to you. Because a lot happens when Jesus comes into a person's life and they, they, and he becomes Lord of their life that is not immediately evident, that needs to be studied, needs to be looked into. So when I share my faith with somebody, I can say, Here's my faith journey, and here's where I came from. Which, by the way, wait, I'll get to that. Okay. I almost got ahead of myself. It's, I, I share with them sort of my faith journey and, like, where I've come from and, and how it happened to me. But I also share with them what Jesus said happened to me. Because I could not see it, and I could not understand it. But the Bible is clear about what happens when somebody passes from death to life what are some of the things that happened that may not be evident that I have to understand before I can share it with somebody? One is forgiveness. I mean, he lifted that load of forgiveness, of, 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 of guilt and condemnation off of me immediately. And I might have felt like a weight was lifted, but I didn't, know any, I didn't necessarily know anything about the blood of Jesus, about the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I didn't necessarily know anything. I'm, I, I had a... A deep love for God suddenly, like a, it was like falling in love. I mean, it really was, but it was like, not like any falling in love that I'd ever had before. And what I believe happened is that the Holy Spirit came into my heart, and that's what I was experiencing. I was experiencing something spiritual, not something natural, not something like um, emotional, like I'd experienced before. But I was experiencing something that was. In, on the inside of me, it wasn't like something that was being put on the outside of me forcing me to do something. These are things that I believe. When you share your faith, faith, know what you trust and fully rely upon. The next one is and this is vital, guys, because we are not really good at this. Listen to understand. Way too many times we get into a conversation. And we are, all, from the get-go, trying to make that conversation go somewhere instead of listening to the person. Have you ever talked to somebody that's like that? And, man, I, I know that I'm bad about this. Like, after church, somebody come up and they're, and they're talking to me. And as they're talking, and, it, you know, before God, I swear to you, it's not because I'm not interested in what they're saying. But I'm interested in all of you guys. So I'm talking to this person, and I see this person walk by, and I'm thinking, you know, I need to talk to that person about this, and I'm talking to this person, and I'm thinking, you know, got to catch that person before they leave. It's not that I don't care, right? Have you guys had conversations with me like that? (laughs) I'm so sorry, okay? And it means so much to somebody when you really listen to understand, not listen to so you can say something to make a point. And listen to me, you cannot share your faith with somebody if you don't know where they are. Not fully, but you have to have compassion upon them. People came to Jesus, and Jesus, I believe, could have known everything, and yet they asked him, and he looked on them with compassion and gave them what they asked for the gospel is not some um, memorized script that we just roll off no matter who it is I'm talking to and I say the same old thing. It's something that's personal. It's something that's custom made. It's something that, that connects to that person on a much deeper level. And I would much rather somebody walk away from a conversation with me feeling like they had been, that they were important and that they mattered than for them to walk away from a conversation feeling like I'm important, like the pastor's important. I would much rather them walk away feeling like somebody had really heard what they had to say, even if I don't have all the answers. If you really want to share your faith with somebody, and if you really want them to open up to you, you have to listen. And you have to listen to understand, not listen so that you can interject something next. Okay? Amen? And all your, you know, unsaved loved ones are going to thank me for that, if you'll do that, okay? Whether they know me or not. They may think something's happened to you, like you've gone crazy. You get into a conversation with them and you start listening to them, they're like, whoa, you've never done that before. <clears throat> I'm just picking at you. I'm sure you're not like that. The next one is recognize God moments. Like I'm thinking about um, a couple of God moments that, uh, that happened with Jesus. One was a woman that uh, all we know is that she was a Syrophoenician woman, which is a foreigner, which is not even Jewish. Um, and she comes to Jesus, and she says, I think it's her daughter is sick, or her, I think it's her daughter is sick, and she's asking him to heal her, he, uh, heal the daughter. Do you remember this story? It's a really weird story, man. It's like, that's not Jesus. That's not the Jesus I know. And Jesus just turned her away. He ignored her. He, he didn't listen to her. Um, she said, you know, um, please come you know, and heal my daughter, and he said, um, you know, uh, that uh, the the, uh, the dogs don't get the bread. This is the children's bread. He, what he was talking about is that he came for the uh, lost sheep of the house of Israel, and that he was going all over the country of Israel, north to south, east to west, covering the whole thing, and he's healing people, and he's touching people, and he's teaching people, and he's doing all of this stuff, and this woman comes to him and says, just like other people had come to him, and they said, she said, will you heal? And he says, you know, it's, it's not right to give the children's bread to the, to the dogs. Now, I don't care what language you're speaking. If you call a woman a dog, that's a deep, deep insult. That's a horrible thing to say. If that were the end of that story, that would be a very weird story. But that's not the end of the story, because she kept on. And she said this. Here's how she answered him. She said, even the dogs get the scraps off the table. So she's not even denying that she's a dog. She's desperate. And Jesus recognized the God moment. And it says, he turned to his disciples and he said, I haven't seen faith like this in the house of Israel. You need to recognize God moments. You need to recognize when somebody is doing something that is a great example of faith. And when the opportunity is open, when the door is open, instead of knocking and kicking and, you know, and trying to force your way in, watch for what the Holy Spirit is doing. Watch for what the Lord is doing. Um, last week in uh, Sunday school, two weeks ago in Sunday school, um, we were looking at the uh, prayer, um, uh, Paul's prayer for the Philippians. And so I went back and studied the, um, the founding of the, uh, the church at Philippi. And the first, do you remember who the first um, believer was in the, in the church at Philippi? It was a woman. And her name was Lydia. And she was a tradeswoman. She sold um, purple um, things, which is um, what they made royal garments out of. And it said she was a worshiper of God. She was a worshiper of God. And when Paul shared the gospel with her, God opened her heart that she could believe. Now, what does that mean? Are unbelievers worshipers of God? Maybe. Maybe. Maybe they are the ripest fruit that can possibly be, that they're right there. Like Jesus says, you're close to the kingdom. You're not far from the kingdom of God. He's like, oh. He recognized a God moment. We can't approach people as if they are They have nothing, as if they don't have faith or they don't have a belief system or anything like that. Most people do. Most people do. We have something to give and something to offer, but we're never, I don't think we're ever starting from ground zero. God is already doing a work, and that person is already doing a work. And if we are in the right place, in the right time, and listening to the Spirit, and ready and willing, brave enough, hanging Trusting and fully relying upon God at that point, God can use us in an incredible way. And I'll tell this. I heard just heard uh, Heather share this story. Where were we when you shared the story about how y'all came for the premarital council? When we were at the um, Gold event um, this past weekend. Um, and uh, Josh and Heather, their story is um, like they were. Um, were y'all living together? Living together had a had a baby. Yeah. Stand up, up. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, uh, and they decided they, they were going get, to get married. And so um, Josh's mom was calling around to try to find somebody that would do a, a ceremony. Um, and I said I would talk to him. And she had been turned away by a lot of pastors. A lot of pastors are like, if you're not a part of my congregation and if you're, you know, I don't know. I don't know why they turn people away. But they're just like, no, I'm not going to do a wedding ceremony like that. And I'm not sure that I would, but I was ready to talk to him. You know, and so they came in and started talking. And I think it was like on the the first time that we, the second time that we, um, that we met. And I just, listen, I just love these guys, like from the get-go, you know. I knew that the people that were sitting there in my office that day were some precious, precious people. And um, the second time that they came in, I started talking to them about their spiritual background and their, and their faith. And um, the way Heather described it to me, I just asked her, I said, have you ever made a commitment to the Lord? Have you ever opened your heart up to the Lord? Um, have you ever, you know, asked him into your heart? And she said, no. And I said, do you want to right now? And she said, yeah. She had never heard the gospel before. How 23 years old. Listen, guys, all I'm saying is that was a God moment. That was a God moment. That was a young couple that were about to embark on a commitment and a promise that they knew in themselves that they probably could and they really, really wanted it. That was a God moment. Recognize the God moments that are before you. Recognize the times when, that's what we taught our kids in, um, in uh, VBS um, this year. It's like that's one of their assignments every day is to, is to you know, see God, God sightings, you know. If you're going to share your faith, recognize the God, God moments. And then the last one is to draw near. There is no substitute to proximity. There's no substitute to that. Um, David and I were talking um, this past week um, about, I, I should get you to share that. Can you share that testimony of the woman at the gas station is, or not? Yeah, share that, share that testimony. Let's give David a good welcome. It's not
1: Is it muted? We on? Okay. Um, So I'm always looking for those God moments. And I just really believe that we are called to live that way, just live on mission. And so I'm always trying to hear God, see God, and just go after people the way he does. And um, I was at a gas station, and um, I knew the lady that – I'd been in this gas station several times, and I knew the lady that worked in there was um, Muslim. And I'd wanted to, I just wanted to reach out to her before, but I never, I never made the, I never did. I always chickened out. And I wasn't sure what to say. You know, I went through the whole list of excuses. She's probably not going to be open to anything I say anyway, all that stuff. And so, um, so this past week I went in there and I really felt prompted by the Holy Spirit say something. Say something. So, um, I'm waiting at the counter for her and she's over here doing something and then she comes and walks around behind the counter and I noticed that when she walked around behind the counter she kind of winced and grabbed her back. And I just said is your back hurting? And she said oh yes it's it's very it hurts. It's painful. And I said oh I'm sorry. And I said you know what happened? And she's kind of describing that she pulled it or did something to it. And so I'm standing there and I said well you know what? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for God to touch your back and heal your back? And she said, her eyes got real big. And she said, okay. (laughs) So I said, awesome. Well, uh, uh, you know, just perfect timing. Customers start walking up, and a Tyler police officer walks straight up. So now I'm just, like, standing there totally intimidated. And so I, you know, like you face those moments where you go, it's do or die. It's now or never. So I just stuck my hand out, and she took my hand, and I just started praying for her. You know, God asked what her name was, and she told me, and I said, God, you love this woman, and uh, you care for her. You created her, and you care about her back, and I know you want to touch her back and heal it right now and just bring relief to her. So I ask you to do that in the name of Jesus, and I also ask you to just let her feel your love today and to know that you love her. And, man, when we finished praying, she was just like, whoa, like overwhelmed, just overcome with emotion. And she's like, thank you so much. You know, like no one's done this, you know, before. This was like a brand new experience for her. And I like, you're welcome. You know, God loves you. And I'm going to just believe that he's going to touch your back and you're going to start feeling better today. And she's like, well, thank you so much. And I start walking away. And she's like, whoa, 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 what's your name? <laughs> so, you know, I go back and tell her my name and You know, I'm driving away from that gas station, and I'm like, yes! Like, get her, Lord! Like, you, there's, the door is open. Her heart is now open. She's been touched. Someone shared the love of Jesus with her. And so, you know, as I've been driving past her gas station this week, I've just stretched out my hand. Father, in Jesus' name, just continue to move on this lady's heart and to show her your love. Amen. And to redeem her.
0: Good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the backstory to that is that, like, I was asking David. I was like, I like when you're when you're looking at somebody that's like Muslim, like, what is your idea, right? And you're just like, I'm not prejudiced. I don't. We all have preconceived ideas. Is it possible? Would you think that it would be likely that if you asked somebody who was a Muslim that if you could pray for him that they would say yes? Well, David and I know that the answer is yes because we have had two of our young people spend a whole summer with Muslim people and they described to us how open they were and how loving they were and how warm they were and not not what we would think that they were. Why? Because they were in proximity. These young people from our congregation were in proximity to us and they described the reality of how a Muslim relates And what a Muslim does. I'm not saying that they would all do that. But I'm saying that I just think it's very possible. It's because they got around them. If we get around people, then we're dealing with the real people. And we're not dealing with the ideas and the concepts and the prejudices that we have about them. And we get to see what it's like to be around somebody like that. To be around a Muslim. To be around an agnostic. To be around an atheist. To to be around uh, somebody who's trapped um, in uh, in an addiction, and it's they don't they're not just they're not just anecdotes anymore. They're real, real people. So draw near. Here's I want to close with this. You know, um, if you uh, if you go out to the um, to the desert Southwest, um, you'll see some just amazing. Like in um, in uh, Utah, there's a whole national park called Arches National Park. Has anybody ever been to Arches? National Park, and the reason why they call it Arch National Park is because it's got these beautiful sandstone arches that are formed, and like these huge like rocks sitting on top of something that looks like a golf tee or something like that, and if you, if you see those things, and you're in the desert, and you wonder what shaped that, what caused that to be shaped that way, and do you know what it was? It's water, and it's water because there is so little water. And when water comes, it does a tremendous amount of work. It does a tremendous thing when it, when it actually comes. We live in a very, very dry and becoming drier uh, environment in, in, in the human realm that we're in. And when you have faith, it is powerful. It's like water on dry ground. And it does a tremendous amount of work because it is so rare. When you have hope, you shine like a lighter in the darkness. When you have love, when you have love in a loveless world, doors will open. People will come. People are going to, the Bible says that the nations are going to stream into the house of God. They're going to stream in. We go out, but we come back. And we come back rejoicing because just like David saw and just like I've seen and, and just like every one of you guys are going to see and have seen, you've got a lot to rejoice in when you are moved by the Spirit to touch a life for Jesus Christ. Let's stand together this morning. Are you guys ready? Amen. Are you ready to go out? Are you ready to understand and know our city a little better? Are you ready to get in proximity to some people that you've never been in proximity to before or only at a distance? Are you ready to understand some of the institutions that are at work in our city and how we can help in those things? Are you ready to pray? And not just pray in your safe environment, but to get out and walk your neighborhood and go to places that we haven't been before and pray specifically and get the burden of the Lord and have the Holy Spirit open our hearts up to pray, pay, pray powerful prayers to see things transform. And listen, it's not just us. There's a move going on in Tyler. We got a part. but And it's not all the, all the churches haven't gotten together and say we're going to do something. God is doing something and he's finding people that will move. And I just want us to get to be a part of I just want us to take part in it. Amen? Do you want to? We're going to sing. If you want prayer, um, maybe, um, you know, when you saw that girl hanging by that cliff, you thought that was a picture of you. I would love to pray for you today if that's the position that you're in, just to affirm and just to impart faith and confidence that God is with you and that you have found a solid rock to hang on to. I would love to be able to pray with you. Um, Today we're going to sing a chorus. If you need prayer, you come, and then we'll close after that.